Today, many politicians, especially our government-run schools, believe that they are the best source of information for our children. Yet, this is only because they understand that to change the country's allegiance from family, faith, and freedom, they must first tear down these foundations, those three foundations of family, faith, and freedom. They need to be torn down, and yet God has given us the responsibility to teach our children, our children's children, about the importance of family, of faith, and the freedom that we have, especially in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Exodus chapters 9 and 10 tonight. I'm going to concentrate a bit on chapter 9 and go a little bit quicker in chapter 10. As we read in verses 18 and 19, Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause a very heavy hail to rain down, such as not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, sin now, gather your livestock, all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man, on every animal, which is found in the field and is not brought home. They shall die. So, pretty intense. They had warning. So what caused the mercy from the Lord? We've already learned in verse 15. He did not want to cut off Egypt from the face of the earth. It's more than this. Not only did he warn them that they were saved, God has a future work for Egypt that is still not been fulfilled to this day. We'll get to that in a moment in verse 20 and 21. It says, He who fears the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. And so some believe, some Egyptians said, I'm not taking a chance. Let's bring in the servants, bring in the animals. And they were spared. Others said, how many plagues can it actually You know, another one, this is number seven. I don't believe it's going to happen. I'll just leave them out in the field. And well, that's how salvation works today, isn't it? Jesus in John 3, 36, he who believes in the son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Those who believed, they were spared destruction and harm and death. Those who did not believe, Their servants and livestock were killed in those fields. 
But as I said, God has a future plan for Egypt. As it says in Isaiah 19, 24, and 25, speaking about Israel, Egypt, and Assyria, he says, in that day, Israel, and this is all future, in that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Even God calls Egypt, and this is future, second coming of Jesus Christ, cause Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, Israel, my inheritance. Even though the hail devastated the land of Egypt, the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel dwelt, no hail fell. Verse 22 through 26, and the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the heavens and there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, on every herb of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward the heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck throughout all the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. So once again, God set the children of Israel apart, but devastated Egypt with this hail. So what God could this possibly be? Zayani Savet, connecting the hail and the locusts together, directing them against Seth, a God who manifests himself against the wind and the storms, against Isis, the goddess of life. And so he connected these uh, gods that, not only against the animals, the men, but also the fields, the vegetation, the crops, and said that these were likely candidates to this. Seth was a god of war, a god of storms, a god of pestilence, and he is called the instigator of confusion or the destroyer. And that's interesting because the Bible in the ninth plague or the tenth plague brings the destroyer that God sends, the true destroyer. He is depicted as a red beast with cloven hoofs and a forked tail. This, I'm just reading this. Does it sound familiar to you, though? Depicted as a red beast with cloven hook, forked tail, and is a prototype for the Christian's devil, not our, you know how they depict him. Although the Bible doesn't, right? Never in the Bible do we read about the devil having a forked tail or cloven hoofs or being red, but now we know where it came from. For the first time, Pharaoh, though, confesses before Moses and Aaron that he has sinned, that the Lord is righteous, and that he and his people were wicked. Listen to this, 27 through 30. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. 
And the Lord is righteous, and my people are wicked. And my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of this city, I get this image of Moses. How did he get to the Pharaoh with hail raining down? Was he had this spiritual umbrella over him? As he just walked through, protected? Apparently so. As soon as I get out of the city, I will spread up my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Even though Pharaoh did not truly repent, God graciously caused the hail to stop. And although the flax and the barley were destroyed, the Bible tells us that the wheat and the spelts were spared, and God graciously allowing sustenance for the children of Egypt, As we read in verses 31 through 35, we close out the chapter. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax in the bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crop. Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured out on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw the rain, the hail and the thunder had ceased He sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord has spoken by Moses. So Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. And it said also his people hardened their hearts against Israel as well. Last week, I had referred to Psalm 105, where the psalmist there connects some of the plagues of Egypt. He's talking about the Exodus, but he doesn't talk about all the plagues. He did mention this one, though, in Psalm 105, verses 32 and 33. He says, he gave them hail for rain and flaming fire on their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. In a similar way, God's grace and mercy is extended to the whole earth. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to provide life to everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. But like Pharaoh, pride continues to keep many people from coming to Jesus. Yet one day, God's grace will come to a close. There'll be a point even when Egypt will believe As I've already read, Egypt will be called God's people. But that's the nation as a whole. God works in individuals. He works in nations. But within those nations, there's always those individuals. Like with the plague of the hail, God gave warning. Those who believed the word of Moses went out and got their servants and their livestock and brought them into safety. Those who did not, well, their servants and livestock were killed. Pride is always the issue. And it's through forsaking our pride-hardened hearts that we believe in Jesus and are saved. And so again, in chapter 10, I titled this, That Our Children May Know. Verses 1 and 2, it says, 
Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I might show these signs of mine before them, and that you might tell them in the hearing of your sons and of your sons' sons the mighty things that I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. And so Pharaoh, the hearts of his servants, were hardened against Israel, but God had a purpose behind it, that it would be a witness of God's great power and might that Israel would know that God is the Lord and that they also would tell their children and that their children would tell their children's children, so children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, of the mighty things, the great signs that they had done among them before the children of Israel went into the promised land some 40 years later, Moses would write these words in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And this is applicable to our day and age and very applicable to what's happening in our nation right now with the training and teaching of our children. Moses declared, God speaking, Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7, And these words which I have commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Years ago, our country understood that families, they were important in this nation. The nuclear family is what they call it. Mom, dad, kids in the home. We had radio and TV shows. Uh, some of them that I thought of the titles like Father Knows Best, Leave It to Beaver, uh, The Donna Reese Show, or The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. I believe they were both on radio and TV. And all of these, maybe the beaver, I was going to say all of these before my time. Maybe the beaver got in there a little bit, but I was pretty small, if so. Today, many politicians, especially our government-run schools, believe that they are the best source of information for our children. Yet, this is only because they understand that to change the country's allegiance from family, faith, and freedom, they must first tear down these foundations— those three foundations of family, faith, and freedom, they need to be torn down. And yet God has given us the responsibility to teach our children, our children's children, about the importance of family, of faith, and the freedom that we have, especially in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God has given us a blessing to be in one of the most free countries in our world that it is being threatened. Those freedoms are being threatened today. Joel 1.3, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. This is what we are supposed to do as believers in Jesus Christ. We are to pass on our faith to our children and to our children's children. And so he gives reason in verses 1 and 2 of why the plagues that Israel might know that I am the Lord. The eighth plague, verses 3 through 20. As with the previous plague, God gave Pharaoh warning. He spoke through Moses and Aaron, saying, picking up 
in verses 3 and 4, thus says the Lord God of Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me and let my people go that they may serve me? Or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. So Moses and Aaron went on to explain the severity of this locust upon their nation. In verses 5 and 6, they will cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. They shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail. They shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses, the houses of your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And so after Moses and Aaron left, Pharaoh's servants came to Pharaoh in verse 7 and said, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? The Egyptians recognized that their land has already been devastated. So it was, verses 8 and 9, Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Yet Pharaoh offered them again another compromise. He said, Just let the men go. And he had a reason behind this, but here's what he said, verses 10 and 11. The Lord had better be with you when you let your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desire. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. Now he realized that if the men left, they would come back for their possessions, for their family. But when Moses and Aaron refused, Pharaoh drove them out of his presence. And so, verse 12 through 15, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat up every herb of the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought on the east wind, on the land all that day and all that night. And when the morning came, the east wind brought locusts, and the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. And they were very severe. Previously had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the whole face of the earth so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there were, remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And so, verses 16 and 17, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron in haste and said, He confesses, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sins only this once. Entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So the plague of locusts was devastating, caused 
Pharaoh to call for Moses and Aaron. He confessed that he had sinned against God and against Moses and Aaron. He asked for forgiveness. He asked that Moses would pray for him. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it's each person's responsibility to cry out to God. Pharaoh said, pray to God for me, when Pharaoh could have prayed as well. So he went out, verse 18, from Pharaoh, entreated the Lord. As Moses went out, prayed for God to take away the locusts, God reversed the wind that blew them in. And 19 and 20 tells us that there remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. He blew them into the sea. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Again, we find this written in Psalm 105, 34 and 35. It says, He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number. They ate up all the vegetation of their land and devoured the fruits of their ground. And then finally, the ninth plague, darkness, verses 21 through 29. We begin in verses 21 through 23. The Lord spoke to Moses. Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. And they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So without warning this ninth plague came there was no advance warning it's going to be dark tomorrow get your oil lamps ready in fact it gives a sense that the darkness was so thick that lighting a fire or lamps did no good people just sat down for three days and did not move so in the egyptian mythology the plague of darkness would have been a humiliation of the sun god, Ra. Day and night were envisioned by the Egyptians as in constant struggle, locked in a battle. And three days of darkness would have convinced them that the god of darkness had overtaken the god of light. But once again, God made distinction in the land of Israel. It said they had light in their dwellings, but Egypt had darkness, a darkness that could be felt. Darkness and light. Where did we hear this before? Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. There is no struggle between darkness and light when it comes to God. We may have those struggles, but God doesn't. Once again, Pharaoh offers a compromise. This time, he says all their people could go, but they have to leave the animals behind. And Moses stood firm. I think this is important. I believe in the United States and our world, we're going to come to a time where the church is, we're already being compromised. And the more we give up, the more they want. And we have to learn to stand firm even if it costs. So verses 24 through 27, 
Pharaoh called to Moses saying, go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones go also with you. But Moses said, you must give us sacrifices, burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock shall also go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know what we must serve the Lord our God until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. So at this point, Pharaoh banishes Moses from his presence. He says, verses 28 and 29, Get away from me, take heed to yourself, and see my face no more. For in the day that you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. They actually would. After the tenth plague, Pharaoh would call for Moses one last time. But only when Pharaoh gives in to their demands to let the children of Israel go. As parents, we are to teach our children and our children's children the mighty things that God has done and the signs that he has given that our children may grow to know and love the Lord. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.